Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm looking at the Gospel reading for today, which on the face of it is very straightforward, but uh, if you have to preach a sermon on it, it's not quite as straightforward as you think, unless you just want to be a legalist, a moralist. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak to us through this uh, wonderful word of yours uh, about your coming again. Uh, wake us up where we need to be woken up and uh, help us to have uh, trust in you and to be comforted by this word as well as to be woken up. Hear our prayers, Lord, for Jesus' sake. Amen. A few days ago, I read about an angry parishioner who accused his pastor after the service and berated him about his sermon. I'm sure that's happened many times, but... um, Uh, And this is what he said, I came to church to be comforted, but you sounded like a fire alarm. (laughs) Yeah. You might feel that way today on this last Sunday of the church year. The gospel focuses on King Jesus uh, coming back, seated on his glorious throne, it says, I'm quoting now, all the nations are gathered before his throne and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. All the nations, it's not just the church here, it's all nations of all time, uh, if you can picture that. Be a massive amount, wouldn't it? And when you hear a text like that, it might scare the living daylights out of you. How will you cope on this day, on this dreadful day? Dreadful for some, anyhow. It's bad enough to have to face the troubles of our sad and broken world, don't you think? And I want to focus on that for a little bit. Many years ago, my wife Joy was going for her very early morning walk and suddenly she was confronted with a shocking surprise in front of her was hanging a man in in a tree, hanging from the tree, right beside the walking path, not far from where we lived. Recently we heard of various people who have been taking their lives. And somebody told me this morning they were the funeral of uh, of the police officer in Renmark on the weekend last weekend and a number of police officers have been taking their lives of late we don't hear much about them we don't hear and it's usually disguised in some way but despair they're despairing and so many are despairing of the state of the world that they have to deal with so one of the more school teachers don't take their lives Because I would, I reckon, if I had to be teaching some of the classes today. Wherever we turn, we hear of shootings. and We've heard of four women being, well, I don't know if they were shot. They were killed one way or another by their partners um, in this past week alone in South Australia. Dreadful shootings, stabbings. We've heard of dreadful wars. We hear about them all the time and floods and and if it's not a flood, it's a famine and if it's 
not a fire, it's an earthquake and the fires should wake us up in Perth. If you're living in Perth, you'd be getting a bit nervous in the northern suburbs. And one of, one of my friends over there said they've taken people in, who, but luckily their house was saved, these people. And what about the car crashes that keep happening? And people killed in car crashes. It's enough to drive you to despair and to turn off the news. And how many people haven't told you lately that I don't watch the news anymore? The only good news really lately has been Australia won the cricket. (laughs) But there is more good news actually. It's in the Bible, which most people don't read. And that's the point that what's been happening around us is enough to make us think of the return of Christ and the last judgment where all this is going to be sorted out. It's enough to get the fire and brimstone preachers really going. And maybe they should. Maybe we all should be doing that and yelling out, the end is nigh, the end is nigh. Yes, this text and the events of the world sound like a fire alarm. And that's not all bad. Paul says, this day should not surprise you like a thief, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 just one of many good verses in that chapter. A fire alarm is good, isn't it? That's why we have them, they're good. It wakes us up and it saves us from destruction. So what is Jesus teaching us in this parable? I'm going to focus on four things. First of all, there is a separation. The king will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Those of us who were farmers or lived on farms, how many of you were ever farmers or lived on a farm? Yep, there's quite a lot, quite a lot. Lutheran Church has quite a lot of farmers and ex-farmers in it. I was one before I went into the ministry. Um, And when we drafted sheep, that was just what we did, wasn't it? We drafted sheep. Some went off to market, uh, probably happily not knowing what was happening to them, and others were given another year to eat our precious grass. Where I lived, it was pretty precious. Those who are into football know that the AFL, uh, Michael, are you there? Michael, where are you? Oh, yes, here you are. You know that it's just been the AFL draft, And some end up here and some end up there. They're all drafted off to different clubs who, um, and some, some, yeah, we won't go down that line. Some players, yeah, there's also a draft on the day that Jesus returns. That's what this is about. Some go to the right, to eternal life, he says, and those drafted to the left, it says, will go to eternal punishment. And that sounds dreadful, and it is dreadful, and that's why the, the sound, the, the alarm needs to be sounded. The fire alarm is really blaring here in this text. I know this is a parable, but that does not mean that what it says is not true. 
There is no hint here that when you're dead, you're dead. Yesterday I laid ashes to rest at Freeling um, in the, up north in the edge of the Barossa Valley and we made no bones about the fact that these ashes, because they were totally Christian people, will be raised from the dead, will be raised from the dead. There's no hint here that of reincarnation. There's no hint here of purgatory. In other words, you get a second shot at it, uh, to put it roughly. Clearly, it at, at least means that some are separated for eternal life, a wonderful life with God, and while others are separated for a quite dreadful, endless life without God. That should be clear from this text. So, but that's not the end of the story. There is a surprise. At first glance, it looks very simple uh, what the, the separation is based on, doesn't it? I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. And on the other hand, I was hungry and you didn't feed me, etc. They're all very simple tasks. Is there anything there that's too hard for any of us to do? I don't think that even children can do most of these. They probably can't go visiting in prison, but um, most things they can do. Um, and, and all of us can do these things. And that looks a little bit like that's what the separation is based on, you know, whether you did or didn't do these things. It looks like we're saved or we're not saved, if we want to use that terminology, according to the good works we've done or the good works we've failed to do. What do you think Paul thinks of that sort of thinking? You're saved by grace, he says, through faith. And I like the way he goes on. It's not your own doing. You're not saved by what you do. It's the gift of God. Not because of works, not because of anything you've done, not because you fed the hungry or anything. In the end, that doesn't save you. You should do it, but it's not what saves you. On the last day, it won't do for any of us to stand up and say, this is what I did, this is what I did. Did any of you do Biesenthal or Kennedy years ago? You didn't? I thought the whole church did that. We, we used to go door to door, not door to door, we'd go and visit people, uh, people on the fringe of the parish or, or people we knew that we thought that might have had a bit of an open heart and we'd kind of start out with a couple of questions and I'm only going to give you one of them and that was if you were to stand before God on judgment day, it went something like that, and he were to say to you, why should I let you in here? What do you think you'd say? And you know, a lot of people, a lot of people would say, oh, well, I've tried my best, you know, I've, uh, I've fed the... I've, I, when, when, when people came around collecting for something, I'd give them a couple of dollars or something like that, you know. So that immediately they were thinking about what they'd done. And that's the point we're trying to make, that in the end, we've got really much better news for you than that. It's really about what God has done for you, not what you've done for him. Jesus surprises us by saying here, 
what you did for the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. And on the other hand, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Now, you know, if you remember the reading, they both protested. The left, the people on the left and the right. When did we see you hungry and feed you on the, on the right? And when did you see, we see you hungry and did not feed you, the people on the left? Both are surprised. Neither saw Jesus and the people um, that they uh, didn't help or did help. If the no helpers had seen that it was Jesus, guess what? they would have probably helped. They put up, I mean, if you saw Jesus and he was um, hungry or something, wouldn't you just rush off to help him? Can't imagine that you'd say no to Jesus. If you knew this is Jesus, Francis or St. Francis, as he was called later, of Assisi, was out riding one day. This is before he'd really become a strong Christian. He was riding out, riding one day when he met a leper lying on the side of the road and repulsive, and I've never seen a leper, but quite repulsive um, in his, the ugliness of his disease. And something moved St. Francis, surely the Spirit of God, moved St. Francis to hop off his horse and fling his arms around this wretched beggar, this wretched leper. And as he held him in his arms and looked into his face, the leper changed, the face of the leper changed to the face of Christ. Francis did not love the leper because he saw the face of Christ. He saw the face of Christ because he loved the leper. And that's a totally different thing. I'll say it again. Francis did not love the leper because he saw the face of Christ, but he saw the face of Christ because he loved the leper. Our love for others is not the cause of our salvation, but the evidence of it. Paul calls it faith active in love. Luther says it this way, or something like this, I'm cutting him back to one line instead of about two pages or something. Saving faith is a busy, active thing that reaches out in love long before it is ever asked to. Faith does that. Faith is active. The great surprise of faith is that when we love others, when we love others, we suddenly discover that we're actually serving Christ and we haven't even realized that. Christ's love is moving in us to lead us to serve others as we would serve Christ. Christ is not just hidden on the cross or in the tomb when he's died or in the bread and the wine where he seems to be hidden but he's also hidden in the person in need of food or drink or clothes or a welcome to church or a visit at home or in hospital or in prison. And Christ is hidden in you as you reach out to share the love of Christ with people. So Christ is in the one who receives and in the one who gives. 
So that brings us to point three, there's great hope. We face the great day of separation with great hope. Listen to the promise in this text. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So your hope in the end is entirely in what God has done for you. He says, you are blessed. You are blessed. And he says, uh, the eternal kingdom is your inheritance. It's a gift. This is not an afterthought of God who'd seen how good you are and what good works you're doing and you're thinking, oh, I better give them a little reward for that. I'll give them an inheritance, an eternal life. Not at all. It's the other way around. You've already received that and, and therefore you do what you do. Now, we need to hear this too. Neither has God prepared hell for those on his left. The eternal fire, it says, is prepared for the devil and his angels. Do you get that? Prepared for the devil and his angels. First, uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy 2 that God wants all people to be saved. All people. Not just those on his right, but those on the left as well. And we read, uh, and the verse we know the best, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever whoever the ones on the left and on the right the one whoever believes in him will not be uh, perish but will have eternal life those on the left have not been rejected by God they have rejected God and they've rejected his son Jesus Christ and they've rejected his forgiveness And they've rejected his free gift of eternal life. Because they rejected God when he came to them in love on the cross and when he came to them in love in the resurrection and and when he came to them in love in the bread and in the wine and in the word and because that's why they rejected Jesus when he came to them in the needy beggar or the unwanted, unborn child, or in the hounded Palestinian, or in the abused or rejected woman. There is great hope for all, except for those goats who refuse to see or trust in God and receive him when he comes to them. And this brings us to the last short point. There is a loving king. We sang at the first service, the king of love my shepherd is, whose goodness never fails me. When the fire alarm sounds, we need not fear, for the king of love is our good shepherd, as it said in the number of the readings today. When the world is crumbling around us, we face the present and the future with hope in the one who has promised, I'll never leave you or forsake you. When the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, we look to the good shepherd in faith and hope, knowing he came to lay down his life for us on the cross that we might have 
his abundant eternal life. When everything is taken from us in death, we look forward to receiving the inheritance prepared for us from the foundation of the world. How we love this King of love who comes to us in the needy today and will receive us with open arms on the last day. And it reminds me of a little song we sing. Some people sang it in Sunday school, but we sing it in church too maybe. Oh, how I love Jesus. We're not going to sing it, but can we say those words together? Oh, how I love Jesus. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he comes again. Amen.